So today I'm going to start off by telling you a, a little story, an event that took place in my life about a week and a bit ago. And, um, and then I'll go to where I'm going to really share the word in terms of specifically when we read some scriptures. But I wanted to share this so that you could uh, get an understanding of my heart. And it is so intrinsic in terms of the word that I'm going to be sharing. Um, the, the theme um, of my sermon this morning is the word of God, it is written. And uh, just with that theme, you might have noticed that Peter and I, as we were praying as elders, this is what we specifically are preaching into over these, these, these few, few weeks. And so, yeah, this is the story that I'd love to share. So I had the privilege about a week and a bit ago to be invited to a uh, kind of a worldwide um, uh, risk conference. Um, I'm a risk guy. Um, and uh, in Zurich, and I was really excited about that. Um, I was, um, you know, looking forward to the fact that I had two days, beautiful summer, and I would be doing no meetings. I was so excited about the different topics. I was excited to engage in some of the conversations with some of my peers and with some of these worldwide people that I know have really helped in certain areas. So that was my day. It was, a, it was different for me. Um, um, I could dress up in my suit for a change, which was really cool, um, felt good, um, and I could take the train, so, uh, which is also something different for me. And um, so anyway, as per normal, I kind of, usually I don't take the train. So I, I get to Zook, and um, you know, I entered this, this world that we have, that we've created. Um, Steve, could I just ask you, there's quite a bit of echo, if you could just see if you can sort it out a little bit for me. Um, so there's, you know, this, 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 this kind of bubbles that are created when you go on the train. And, and it's this thing that everybody's got their earphones in their ears. And uh, they kind of communicate only with gestures and maybe the eye contact or maybe the, with a hand. But there's no, you know, you don't need to talk to anybody. And everybody has their own little bubble. And I was in my own little bubble as well. I had my iPhone earphones in. I was listening to the new Matt Redman uh, album on Spotify. If you haven't listened to it, it is just such an anointed... This man's work and his, his, his music is just amazing, and I'll just a shout out to that. So I was in that bubble. But the big thing that happened that changed this whole day was, you know, Switzerland, you guys know the trains. There's an announcement. I see there's a lot of people on the platform, and there's an announcement from this lovely lady. It says, look, there's been a problem back in Lucerne, and if you've had a reservation on your tickets, know that uh, it's no longer valid because they've had to bunch up the people on the train. So that was like, okay, it's going to be different. So as you climb into the train... You know, there's people already sitting on the stairs, people already like in the, the corridors. Felt a little bit like when I visit my daughter Micah in Paris, when you're in the underground and space is very different. So kind of in the mood, but I've got my coffee and I'm, okay, I can do this. And I walk into, the, into one of the apart, like compartments, uh, you know, and there's already people standing in, 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 the, in the aisle. And so I'm like, okay, I'll find a place to stand. As I'm walking, I see... There's a, there's a four booth, and there's a lady sitting, and then she's got a bag on the, one of the seats by the window. And I see all these people are standing, and they must have been standing from Lucerne, and no one's sitting there. So I thought, well, okay, well, I'm going to ask. So I pointed, and I didn't have to say anything, and I just said, and she said, oh, sure, and she moved the bag. And, and I thought, wow, that's amazing. I'm getting a seat, and everybody else is standing. So I sat down in this, like, four-seater with the two people looking in front of me, and I had the lady next to me, and there was a, a young guy I reckon he was about in his 30s, or early, late 20s, just a mountain of a guy, just a beautiful man with this lovely beard, 
blue eyes, um, and uh, just, just, you know, suntanned, and he, was, he had a pair of these Bose earphones on, and he was like, you know, going to the music, and he's in his bubble, and, uh, and I thought, oh, that's cool, and there was a lady that didn't really feature, and she was just doing something on a notebook on this side. And uh, I was just in that moment, and the next thing I, I, I felt God say, just look at this guy, and I, and I looked at him, and I noticed that he was, uh, every now and then he'd uh, look up, and, and then he'd look down and he'd wipe his eyes, and then I f- saw that he's crying. And I was like, oh, and it was just, he was crying, he was continually crying, and I, and, and I felt then in my heart, Lord, how do I meet this man's need with, with your word? And, and then things changed, because then <clears throat> I'm in this conversation with the Lord and saying, Father, but remember, it's these bubbles, you know, you're not supposed to touch these other's bubbles, you're in your own little bubble. And so what I did was I, uh, I opened my phone on my Olive Tree app, and <clears throat> as I opened it, I just opened where my Bible was at, and Mark, if you can show that, on my app, where I was the day I didn't change it, was this that I had on my app, and this was what was highlighted. In the middle there was this verse. And, and so, you know, you're in that moment, you're like wondering what to do, and I read what was on my app that I had open at that time, and, it, and it's from Ephesians, it's chapter 1, if you can put up the verse, um, verse 2, chapter 1, verse 2, and it reads like this, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And I knew this is the word I need to share with this man. And in that moment, of course, this is where faith comes in. Now I've got to break into that man's bubble. And he's crying and he's... Uh, and it takes courage. Um, but I, I did it. And all I did was I kind of... Our knees touched across the thing. It was a big guy. So I like touched his knee and he looked at me. And then all I did is I went, put the phone on the table... And I pointed to the verse. All in, no communication involved, just pointed to the verse. And the guy, like, turned, looked at the verse, and he read it. Then he looked at me, and he just started smiling. And he just said, thank you. And he just, the tears were still flowing, but his whole body changed. And um, in that moment, I just, I just knew that I knew that the word broke into this man's sorrowful heart. And not very long after that, he, I had to leave because I was getting off in Zurich. He was going on to the airport. Didn't say anything. I just signaled goodbye. He gestured thank you, and I left. Now, I, I shared this testimony with you um, simply because, as I said, I know that I know that I know that he was reading the word and he was hearing it in his heart. And that God in that space, in that verse, if you want to just show it again, the Lord Almighty wanted him to hear this. He wanted to break through all that sorrow. And personally, he experienced God's grace and mercy and love from the Father and the Son. And that is what the Word does. And I know if you kind of you know, I'm not going to preach on this, but I thought I'd just highlight this briefly. There's, if you just look at the testimony, there's so many amazing things that one can kind of unpack in this piece of, 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 of this testimony alone. Because you know that the Bible says in Revelations 12 verse 11 that we overcome Satan by the, 
blood of the Lamb, and the word of our testimony. So the word of the testimony is what breaks through things. But it's as the scripture says. So just a few things that just to highlight how God was involved. The first one that I, that I thought there, which is just the fact that and a few months before, in my normal time of just taking time as I walked the dog and reading God's word, I was reading Ephesians. And while I was reading it, what I would do is I, I tend to then just, when something, something hits me, I kind of highlight it, click it, make it blue. And so, of course, during the day I was thinking of that verse and what the Lord was meaning about that in my life. That was a while ago. Now, here's where it gets like really coincidental. Piet, in the previous week's uh, sermon, had, had preached and then asked us, as he usually does, take your Bibles or your apps and open it and look at the Word. I had taken my app and I was reading the piece. He was actually speaking about verse 1, I think. Um, but it was the verse that he was re- speaking to us. It was still on my app. So God is so involved in these things. So that was, that was the one thing. Then, of course, the big thing that really blew my brain is, and one day when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask the Lord this one. And what his angels must have done to have fought of everybody to not look at that seat. Because I knew that I knew that's a miracle on its own. How I got that seat on that train with everybody else all upset, jam-packed in this train all the way to Zurich from Lucerne. So that was a God moment as well. But then there are others that were really also just profoundly, I mentioned it a little bit, the faith moment, the courage it takes. You know, you think, you know, I'm up here sharing the word. That, ah, that's easy for you, Ken. But you don't know what it's like. Every time you have to do a move in faith where you have to take a step it takes courage to think, Lord, how do I do this? Will it, what will he do? Maybe he's going to, you know. But it takes courage to look to Jesus and in our small way to step over that gunnel of the boat and in our small way to then reach out and share God's word. It took faith. But it's amazing what God does. And then the final application that as we sang the song Worthy again, um, the sense and it's just this humbling kind of moment in my life of knowing who I am and knowing the things I work through and the, the, the broken and the sinful stuff that just is part of us, that God would decide that he wanted to use me to speak to that man in his sorrow. It just blows my brain that uh, God would do that. You know, there's other people that are more capable, but he somehow for this moment, and just all I can do is just sing this song, Worthy, because it's, it's him that says, my boy, I'm going to use you today. And he says that to all of us. And when you realize that, your response is just to glorify the Lord. But all those applications, I'm not, it's a sermon on its own. What I really, really want to do today is I want to address the big question. And that is, what does the word of God mean to you? I'm going to put it in this way, because this is when it gets really real. How do you answer somebody when someone is a friend, a work colleague, someone that you're socially with, that maybe is just ridiculing the Bible, and then they say, yeah, but Ken, you're a Christian. What do you believe the Bible says? Don't you believe that it's just a bunch of whatever? How do you respond in your heart? That's the question, really. And so... What I did is I looked, you know, and you know that we, you know, I'm a great fan of Tim Keller as well, and the late Tim Keller, he passed away a few weeks ago. And uh, he says this, which is really amazing. He says, in a group like this, or the people online, there's three different groups of people when you ask them what do they believe in 
what do they, what do they believe about the Word of God? Group one is the people that respect the Bible um, as the truth, but they don't follow it. That's group one. Group two is the people that believe that the Bible is God's revelation and His promise to us. And they devote themselves to wrestle with it and to follow it with all that they are. And then there's this group three, which most of us are get confronted to, and there's people in our audience as well that are in that same space, that, that they reject this Bible, this book, as just myths and legends that has been tainted by man um, and hold no truth to it really. Those are the three groups that you can kind of cluster people into. And really my thought today is I want to address to all those groups. And I, I really want you to do this. You're in this audience, so you're listening to this message, or you're hearing it online. I want you to take the time that when you've heard this message, to go and search in your heart, where are you and what would you say, and whether that's really the truth. I wanted to just also make it very categorically with unashamedly make this amazing, wonderful statement. As I wrote it down, I was so, so, I got so excited. You need to know, if you knew at Lyft, that we firmly lie in the group too. What do I mean by that? I wrote a few things down. I said that we believe, that it is written in Genesis, that the word spoke everything into existence. And that that word, that unique character of the triune God, who was revealed to us in this Bible as the only begotten Son of God, his name is Jesus. We also believe that it, as it is written in Hebrew, where it says that the word, that's Jesus, sustains everything by the power of his word. Think on that. Just, just rest in that thought. And we believe that it's written in John, the Gospel of John, that that word became flesh, humbled himself for you and me, so that we could experience the atonement and the anointing through the blood that he shed on that cross. And that he died on that cross. I'm oh, sorry, the cross was here. It's disappeared. <laughs> I thought it was here until a few minutes ago. That he, he, he died on that cross for you and me. And now he has risen and he reigns. And he lives inside our hearts for all those who believe and call on his name. That's us in group two. And uh, just with those statements, I found myself just been reflecting a little bit back, and I had to hook this in of what was shared last week. It was such an incredible message. Um, a little bit of an inside here as Peter and I were praying and walking around and, and talking about what we wanted to preach about. I shared the story with him. And then he said, Ken, I know what I'm going to preach about. I'm going to preach about the temptations that Jesus had. And, it, and as he says, it is written. And, you know, you hear that, that message so often. You've heard it a few times. But you know what? God's word never it stops enriching one. As I was listening to that message, I was reminded, of course, of the statements that I'd written or write, written down about who God is, who the word is. What, what, you know, the, the word said, let there be light, and there was light. That same awesome God of ours humbles himself in the frail form of, of, of a man, 
who is dehydrated and starving and is getting tempted with all the temptations you can think of. And what does he do? He could have just spoken a word and vaporized Satan. But for our sake, he does it differently. He teaches us and he uses his own words that he spoke in Deuteronomy 8 verse 13, 13 verse 8. And he shows us that that's how you overcome Satan. By the word. That he's already spoken and it was written down for us. Oh. Matthew chapter 4 verses 4, just read it, I just want to read it. And he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And here we are. But by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What a message. So, what I'd like to do now is, I want to just explore what it means when we say, what is God's word? Yes, it's written. But I want to make some basic framed statements about what God's word is. And then I'm going to look at some of the characteristics which the word of God describes about himself, the word. How cool is that? There's a whole lot of places in the Bible where the word is described to us and what it does and what it is. I've taken one verse uh, in the time that I have. So I thought, let me just frame it with, with, with three big statements. Um, and I'm using one statement just to, to kind of encapsulate it and I'll, I'll explain it to you. So this is it. It's, um, Mark, if you can show us the statement. The word is... Whatever form of communication and revelation we receive from God that calls for the response of faith and obedience. Let me show you what that is. It primarily is in the form of the written word of God, the scriptures. It contains God's revelation and his promise to us. It's God's word, not man's word. It's not the word of some man who wrote it down. It's God's word imparted in various people through the Holy Spirit. Deuteronomy 8 verse 13 verse 8 was written down by man. But it was God's word. He said it is written. Another form of communication and revelation that, that, that drives you to faith and, 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 and to, to, to be, to respond, is the prophetic word. And many of us in this church, you've heard the prophetic word spoken of us. As a church, we've had the prophetic word spoken over us. Uh, personally, I've had the prophetic word spoken over, over me. And how you discern the prophetic word is you test it by the scripture. You wrestle with it. You say, Lord, if this is from you and not from man, let this word resonate it with me. And then... The cool thing about a prophetic word and the seriousness of the person who shares the prophetic word is that if it's true, you would have seen the testimony of it coming true. And that's where you can know that this was a prophetic word. You've heard Piet and Jen's story of the prophetic word spoken over them before they came to Switzerland and how God then answered that. There's, there's moments in our church as we're sitting in this building 
as the Lord had spoken to you as a congregation of how we would be able to move into a place like this. We've seen God use the prophetic word in a wonderful way. And the third big statement I want to make is that the form of communication or revelation that we receive that, that uh, God calls us to obedience and, and to faith is, of course, the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And I'm saying this very, very, very boldly because it is the Holy Spirit that all the time, when the Holy Spirit's involved, is always reflecting towards Jesus, the Word. It's the Word, the Holy Spirit reflects the Word of God in our hearts and points us back to Jesus. And it is the Word, the Holy Spirit, that, who, who urges us to, to, to hear God's Word in our hearts when we are, when we are, when we are disobedient. In my case, if, if, when I do something that I know is not right, I can immediately feel in my heart, I know that, that I know it's the easiest way to recognize the Holy Spirit because you can, from all these other voices, you know, oh, it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Ken, you shouldn't have done that. You know that the Bible says, do not gossip. It drives you to repentance. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, folks. It's Him communicating you and driving you to faith and obedience. But, you know, there's, there's, of course, other parts where you hear about testimonies where God uses a donkey or he uses a billboard. So God can speak to us and communicate to us in many ways. But those three fundamental, clear ways I wanted to just point out because that's what we experience in our lives and it's what we should cling to because this is his word. And I thought now, with that in mind, I really want to just focus now on one specific verse and I want to allow us to just experience what it means and the characteristics that are revealed in this one verse. It's found in Hebrews chapter, chapter 4, verse 12. I'd like to read it. This is the writer of Hebrews quoting, and he says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning thoughts and intentions of the heart. What an incredible verse. It's all these characteristics, and I'm going to break them down, and we're going to just show you what this means and uh, what it's mean to me as well. So the first characteristics that I'll point out is that the Word of God is living. Uh, I wonder, as I'm sitting here, there'll be some of you or somebody you online saying, but Ken, if the Bible is the primary source of God speaking to us, how can you say that this word is living? It's paper, it's ink, it's got imitation leather, that's pretty cool, or it's data fields on a nap. It's not able to breathe. It's not um, able to do anything out of its own power. It doesn't have feelings. It doesn't make choices. How can I make the statement that the Word of God lives, is living? Here's my answer to that. It is living because God, whose Word it is, is living. God's Word takes on God's own character. Amazing is that. It's also living because it is His primary way of instructing us to impart life to us. 
He uses his word to impart life to us. It's because of the word that you've heard that your life changes. The Bible is living word of God primarily because it's what it does. And then I thought, well, let me just show you how this is said by the apostles in the Bible. Peter says this most amazingly. It's found in 1 Peter um, verses, chapter 1, verses 24. And he says, or 23, sorry, 23. Um, Since you have been born again, not of the perishable seed, but of the imperishable, there we go, through the living and abiding word of God. Friends, God's word has enabled you to be living and abiding. It's God's word that does that. Just get your head around that one for a moment. We thought it was something else. James says it also most amazingly. He says it in James. um, It's found in uh, James 1 verses 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be the kind of first fruits of 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 his creatures. Bring us back to Genesis. Jesus says, he speaks and it's alive. He speaks and it exists. He calls things by their names. Light is day and darkness is night. He calls it by name. He speaks it into existence. He brought forth by the, by the word of truth. Let me just say that again. The Bible is living word of God primarily because it is what gives us life. It's the first characteristics of, of God's word. The second one is, for the word of God is not living but active. And I use the words active and energetic. I wrote these things down. I don't want to get them wrong. So I was repeating them and not getting it right. So let me read them. Um, the Word of God is, it actually does things. It accomplishes things. It produces effects. And it comes through on what it promises. That's all active things. It does things. It produces things. And it accomplishes things. The question is, how does he do that? And you've got to hear the word of God. You've got to hear the word of God for it to be active. Let me use my example. On my phone, those words just on the phone is not active. It's nothing. It's just words. The words in here, it's just words. If you don't, if it's just in the phone or on the phone, but there's something that needs to happen. You there trying to read that, maybe you can from there. I can't from here. Um, it has to become active. So we have to hear the Word of God. We have to read the Word of God. The question is, if we don't read the Word of God and hear the Word of God, it can't become active. It can't produce. It can't spur you on to do things. And that's the thing that really knocks me, is 
How many of us really hear the word of God? We hear a lot of other things on this little device throughout the week. The next characteristics is that, I'm going to just read it. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of the joints and of the marrow. Now, I asked Christine whether I should do this, and she said, no, don't do this. So I didn't do this, but I'm going to just say, I shouldn't have said that. Eh? <laughs> so um, I wanted to use, it's a metaphor, it's a beautiful metaphor about what the Word of God does. And he uses this, this image of this two-edged sword. And I thought, I want to bring our Jamie Oliver carving knife. That's kind of a special knife, it's got a special box. And I, if there's any cooks amongst you, I'm really not a cook, but I'm the guy that has to prepare the meat, usually. Um, and uh, there's something very special when you've got a tool that's not blunt, a sharp knife. And that, that satisfaction of when you're cutting a piece of meat and you're removing the fat and the sinew, and you're working it off the bone and you, with this beautiful instrument, and you're able to put that piece of meat before your wife and say, honey, go cook it. It's just... <laughs> It's just a cool, cool thing, you know, for me personally. And as I, I was thinking, Lord, I've got to use this. How do I get an image, a metaphor, or something to work that into my little world? And then I thought of the, the Jamie Oliver knife, which uh, is really cool, uh, which costs a lot of money. But it's just really cool. So, we, so the, the, this is what the Word of God does. It's a purpose. That knife has a purpose and a specific function, and it does exactly that. Now, that's what the Word of God does. And this is what's so powerful about what it does. It, it, um, I just want to say this properly. Um, it accomplishes exactly, exactly what it was meant to do. And the amazing thing about the Word of God is, in one instance, it will accomplish that for you, and in another instance, it will accomplish something a little different for someone else. But they'll hear the same word. Now, in my little example that I shared about this young man is... Ephesians 1 verse, verses, verses 2, that word accomplished exactly what it needed to for that man. He was, his heart was full of sorrow. But God wanted to touch him, and that word became alive. He experienced grace and love and peace as God made time to let him hear the Almighty God through that word. It, it cuts through everything he was, he was dealing with. And it speaks directly into his heart. That is what the characteristics of God's word. And that same verse, which I maybe heard three, four weeks ago, or three, four months ago, meant something different for me. I heard it. I felt the Holy Spirit says, of all the things you're reading, that's the word that you must take with you. And of course, I was in a different space. I was thinking of things I was dealing with at work. And I needed to hear God say, my boy, I've got you. My grace and my peace is with you. Go. That's how I receive that same word. But this is what God's word does. It, 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 it uses its purposes specific and it, it deals directly where it should be. The final one, final characteristics is the last piece of the verse. And it reads, and so the word of God is discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And this one is, is it touches a little bit on what Piet preached about last week. Many of us here, you know, 
We cannot hide anything from our neighbors. We can't hide from our neighbors, from our family, from, from the people we love things. But with God, you cannot hide what you really feel in your heart. He's not fooled by hypocrisy. He knows what you're thinking, friends. And here's the thing. That word that they use there, discern, discerning, in the Greek, it's, it's much broader. It's a beautiful thing. It says the word is, it evaluates our thoughts and intentions and weighs them and assesses and analyzes them. So God sees our hearts and this word weighs what you're saying and what you're really feeling in your heart. It assesses. And, it, and it's got this ability, and this is just, just uh, so powerful for me. It penetrates deeper into the most secret recesses of our hearts and brings an awareness of what really is there. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it really sincere? Are you just being hypocritical, Ken? Is it honorable? Is it really corrupt? And I thought, how do I bring this home for us? You see, the word demands a response because it, it just lays us bare. And this is how God works through his word to protect us. Peter said that last week. When we are tempted, protect us from sinning. See, sin is deceptive. It burrows deeply into the recesses of our hearts. And like sits there in our soul. And it lets us believe that, you know, that's actually okay. And we need something. And this is just the truth. We need something that is strong enough and mighty enough, sharp enough to penetrate through that deep fog of deception and shed light on my thoughts and intentions. That's what the word does. It says there, it discerns the thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. It's something that we desperately all need. But here's the thing, friends. We need to know the word. We need to hear the word. I thought as I was preparing this message and those three questions that are, or the question that I asked of how do you answer to what the word of God means to you, kind of in our hearts, it's something we need to really get straight. Because Everything that I've mentioned about the characteristics of God, you cannot experience it if you haven't heard, read the Word of God and allowed it to kind of work within you. I, I was saying to myself, but the only way I know possible in my life is from Romans 10 verse 17. And it's a verse we know. It says, faith comes from hearing 
and hearing through the words of Christ. Now, if you read it like that, you know, you've got to kind of think it a bit. But if you listen to it in the message, just let me just make it clear, just plain and make it quite simple. The message says it this way. The point is this. Before you trust, you have to listen. But unless Christ's word is preached, there's just nothing to listen to. And that's really what I wanted to share this morning with you. I shared the, the short testimony because the world needs us to break into their lives. They need to hear the word. You in this audience know more word than all the people you see on that train station every day. Many of them have never heard the word of God before. They need to discover who this creator is who loves them, who sustains things, who holds it all together. And the only way I know is if they hear the word of God. And if it means you don't have to say words and you can just put your phone there and just mark it, let them read it. If it means you need to be bold enough to share a God's word directly with someone, with a friend, because you see the depth of the sin that is involved in. Don't try and counsel him with stuff. Just say, this is what the word of God says. I want, let me read it to you. Let the word convict the person from the heart. But you need to know where it is and you need to know what to say. This is what the word of God is. The word of God is written. It speaks to us and it's real. <laughs> 